Welcome to Below the Line, where we talk about working in Hollywood from the crew perspective. My name is Skid. I'm a former assistant director and your host. We're closing out our coverage of awards season with one final Oscar episode. And my guests today are three quarters of the sound team nominated for their work on Elvis. Spoiler alert, the award ultimately went to Top Gun Maverick, but I'm delighted to talk with these guys about the ceremony itself. Wayne Pashley, we spoke about Elvis last year when the movie was first released. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much, Skid. Great to be here. Glad you're here as well. We're also joined by David Lee, who, like Wayne, is based in Australia. David, welcome. Good morning. Thank you very much. And rounding out our panel is Michael Keller, joining us from L.A. Michael, great to see you as well. Hi. Not good morning, but good afternoon from Los Angeles. This is a global event. Yeah, we're bringing your team back together. Uh, the fourth nominated member of your team was Andy Nelson, who did attend the ceremony with you guys, but was unable to join us today. First off, I'm not even sure if it's appropriate or not, but condolences for not winning. I, they do say it's an honor to be nominated, but I, I, how do you guys feel about that overall? Uh, look, I'll start and just say that, um, you know, it, it is an incredible honor. End of the day, you had these incredible five films up for sound. Each of those films were all worthy, you know, in my opinion. It, you work so hard on these things. All the the teams that we met during the lead up to the ceremony itself, you know, I totally respected them all. Incredible amount of uh, energy and love for their projects. And I just kind of go, you know, if I was to use uh, Baz Luhrmann's analogy of these awards uh, with, you know, such incredible palette of films in front of you, what are you going to choose? Do you want the sushi or do you want your <laughs> mum's delicious roast? At the end of the day, it's like they're all worthy and that's where the nomination is kind of enough. Hey, it would have been nice to get on stage, get backstage. That's one bit I've never done, but maybe one day, yeah. I think Wayne is absolutely right. I mean, they were, they were all stellar uh, projects and I know all these guys and, you know, we all talked before the Academy Awards and and everybody's solid. I mean, they've everybody's been doing brilliant work for 20 plus years. And, uh, you know, as Wayne says, it's such an honor to be part of that whole team, that whole pool of talent out there to be nominated. You know, that's already the golden ticket because it's your peers. It's the guys that do this every day and they know how hard it is to get there and to get a good soundtrack going. And then once it's open to the general voting membership out there, this, it's 10,000 people that vote. There's always a chance to win, but uh, sadly we didn't. But it was fantastic to be there. Now, this is the first nomination for you, Wayne, and you, Michael. But David, this is actually your third nomination. In fact, you won for The Matrix back in 2000. Yeah. And we're nominated again in 2015 for Unbroken. So I, you have been backstage. And maybe what's your perspective on the nomination versus winning or, or what's enough? Oh, totally. The the nomination is is the win. You're amongst a, a wonderful, respectful field. This time was so much different for me. I spent a lot more time with the fellow nominees and met people I you know I did not know, and they were just so excited to have me in the room, particularly in the Cinema Audio Society Awards, the Saturday night. It was uh, a room full of kings, amazingly humbled. But um, as far as the Oscars, no, the win is in the nomination. Well, I want to talk more about your interactions with some of the other teams and, and the time around the ceremony itself. But let's start first 
at the beginning. The nominations were announced this year on January 24th. What were you guys doing when you found out uh, you were nominated for Achievement Excel? Pretty sure I was online. I figured out that it was going to be nominated, you know, like broadcast on or streamed on the Academy's, you know, streaming network. And so I paid attention to it and got a little bit excited because you just don't know until it's announced. What about you guys, Wayne or Michael? It was uh, 1 a.m. in Sydney. Uh, I was with my two boys. You know, we had the, the it streamed. I think we it was also on YouTube. So we were streaming on YouTube. And, um, you know, we were watching it go through. And early on, the sound ones came up. And so I hadn't kind of flicked that all the nominated films were in alphabetical order. <laughs> and for some reason, at like when they when they said the sound ones, and I, th- I think it came up with All Quiet and this and that, and, and I sort of like lost my sort of attention to the alphabet. <laughs> and so I thought that by the time the three went down, I thought, oh, well, this has missed out. And then Elvis came up and it was just like mind-blowing. So we all jumped up in the air. My, my youngest went downstairs, um, opened my bar and pulled out a bottle of my single malt, which had never been opened. He'd cracked it and we drank till four in the morning. So, <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was an interesting year. Very heavy on the early alphabet this year with All Quiet <laughs> and Avatar and then Batman taking those yeah, first three exactly spots. Right. So. I was like, oh no. Yeah. yeah. I had my phone next to myself, uh, next to my bed because it was deep in the night. And uh, normally I have it off. And uh, I was told that if we get nominated, they would call. And I didn't get the call, which really, really bummed me out. And then, but I still woke (laughs) up early, early because it was so stressed out all night. You know, obviously the nerves are going because all our friends said, hey, listen, you have a really good chance of getting a nomination. So we were also all hoping and then uh, I tracked it online and I giggled like a little girl when I saw that we uh, <laughs> we, got, we got nominated. I was like, I can't believe this, right? And then hundreds of texts came in and, and it was fantastic. I mean, it's so cool that it's this is such a small community and, and everybody reached out and congratulated and, and vice versa. We reached out to all the other nominees as well. And that was uh, really interesting, Michael, because I had no idea... Uh, that the support that existed out there for yeah. and, and, and you know the the thrill that other people sort of vicariously get through something like this and yeah. we yeah. woke up that morning to it just in an, an enormous amount of emails and texts and mm. it's people that i hadn't spoken to for 25 years it was mm. absolutely unbelievable What's interesting is that we all co- compete for the, you know, the the five or ten best movies out there that we can think of uh, per year, and and it's it, it is a cutthroat business. We're all trying to do those ten movies, but there's more than ten teams out there that are capable of doing so, and so we pursue, you know, movies. We don't talk about the movies because we're afraid that somebody else snatches them, but then when it comes to awards time, then then we're all just regular fellas and friends and get along and uh, you know i have many friends that i socialize with behind the scenes but we're still competing for the same product Mm. so you know it's interesting yeah it was great to be part of that whole family now now i know the studios involved you hear about them campaigning whether it's for the best picture award or actors and actresses what's the campaign effort look like for uh the craft categories such as yours well, the beauty was that Warner Brothers Marketing, they obviously campaigned for, for all 
you know, for director, producer, best picture, us, editors, music, uh, well, score, they couldn't because it was not, I mean, it was fantastic score, but ultimately it could not qualify because it was Elvis's music. But they invited us to be part of all those Q&As, which was brilliant. And that is, I mean, I have not been part of this. Normally they put a Q&A panel up and then here's, you know, an invitation to a bunch of people to screen the film. And then you have maybe the film editors and the sound guys, us on the stage but with Baz it was always inclusive to have us and everybody on the stage which was fantastic to just sit next to Baz and hear him talk it's it's an event I gotta tell you it's it's so mind-blowingly awesome <laughs> so, so we were blessed that they just pulled us into all those Q&As and all these screenings which was really fabulous uh well and to just add Warner Brothers were just so so generous for to every discipline you know we had um an assigned publicist fellow. Uh, his name was actually Austin as well. And I can't fault the team at all. They were just so wonderfully supportive. You know, they, they obviously spent a lot of money and things. And I was thinking, you know, if you were on a film, on a product that, that for, for sound, let's say, that didn't have a studio backing and the sort of the power to, to get that reach, I think you'd have a lot of trouble. And I was thinking about the Australian film industry in that regard. Now, we get the occasional Hollywood-style big picture down here. We've got some fantastic directors, which obviously attract that storytelling to come sort of uh, south. And and that includes Baz Luhrmann, George Miller, uh, Jane Campion, you know, Peter Weir. So we've got wonderful sort of... Um, sort of attractive people for, for that sort of storytelling on an international level. But the pool is small. So, you know, a lot of the other stuff we're doing is low budget, you know, wonderful stories, there's no question. But do they have that sort of support by a studio backing in order to get that reach that gets you ultimately to the Academy Awards? Very difficult. It was some of them will break through, you know, rarely. But um, when I look at the Hollywood sort of capability and this and the the, the uh, products on offer for people like us well obviously it's a far bigger field and the products backed by studios within Hollywood in the United States is obviously going to get that sort of push ahead of the others so that was really interesting to me how anyone's career I've been doing this for 40 years but I live in Australia love living here uh, brought up my children here that's the decisions you make. Do you know what I mean? In terms of your your life goals. So anyway, so that, that that's where I just got to say Warner Brothers were amazing. And it was kind of mind-boggling because you get into this whole sort of how many weeks was it? Sort of two weeks from the BAFTAs right to the end, I was, I know, three weeks, whatever it was. But it was so surreal. I felt like I was in some sort of Franz Kafka, you know, surrealist short story. And was I actually in that? Because now that we've landed back into reality, it's kind of like it was someone else that was doing that. It was so odd. <laughs> <laughs> Very odd. Yeah, a, diff a different life. Yeah. yeah. Ah. Well, David, this is also an opportunity to ask you because then you're a bit of a Warner Brothers darling, right? Because have things changed in the 20 years since The Matrix as far as what their approach was or or the campaigning? or I went to the BAFTAs 23 years ago. It was after the Oscars at that time. Um, no, the same care and um, support all the way through. 
business class flights from Australia and someone to meet you and look after you while you're there. And there was, a, you know, there was a bit of a family for Matrix as well as this one. Uh, but pretty, no, pretty much the same. Warner Brothers are so supportive in that regard, you know, to bring us from Australia all the way <laughs> and keep the team together, you know, the four of us. Probably one of the biggest challenges that they had to to keep us together and then get us through, you know, press lines and photo and photo opportunities and all of that. I mean, they, they were geniuses too. They, yeah, it went so smoothly. Yeah, there was always somebody there that just took us by the hand, getting off the airplane. Somebody was there and says, hey, Michael, how are you doing? Follow me. And then, and then you're just in somebody's care at all times, which is amazing. Mm, it is. Now, I would think the other challenge about getting you guys all together is it's not like you're working on a new project as a team. You've all gone separate ways. Were all of you working? Did you have to take time off, take a break? Or did it time out well for you that this sort of intense month and a half you know, fell between projects? Oh, well, I was, uh, I actually, yeah, was in, I'm in the middle of a seven part series as well as a feature documentary. So that was pretty tricky. And when the nomination came in, <laughs> it was one of those moments where you go, do you think they'll understand? <laughs> you know, and, and as it turned out, they did. But look, honestly, I hit the ground running when when it was all over and we landed in Sydney last Wednesday and um, got off the plane and got straight to work because it was major catch up. But look, honestly, everybody was so supportive here. And what, that was interesting because we had so much support within the Australian community, uh, the filmmaking community. It was just extraordinary. And I wondered... I thought, oh, how, how's it going to be when we get to the US? You know, is it going to be the same? Well, I got to tell you, it just spiked even further. It was even more remarkable because of the love of the Academy and the love of filmmaking. And that was what was amazing because you go, no matter what the outcome of this situation, the, you know, the celebration of storytelling through film is just so beautiful. And of course, I've wanted to do it all my life. And so this event was like, you know, remarkable to see how much the Academy support uh, us and everybody that was there. And just the just the true celebration of our art form. It was just mind blowing, really. Yeah, that was exciting. The excitement was infectious. Terry, a governor from uh, Sound Branch of the Academy, and Rose. She's the interface between the all the nominees and the talent and the, and the Academy. Part of the Academy, right. They were just so excited and their energy was intoxicating. Them. Yeah, the, the, how inclusive everybody was. That's, you know, the family feeling, which, which was really amazing uh, because I had some German fellows come, come over to look at the Warner Brothers stages uh, that, that were the nominees on All Quiet on the Western Front. And then they obviously had some other events to go to as well. And they said that it was unbelievably mind-blowing what a tight community Hollywood it is, where, you know, everybody sticks together and everybody's friends and everybody supports each other. And, and they even said during the Academy Awards, when categories won that we don't, you know, best short film that I haven't seen, everybody still got out of their chairs and applauded and was like, going you know off the charts of happiness and uh that that doesn't happen anywhere else other than here they said 
And I've got to tell you, the Germans who were sitting two rows behind us in the awards were getting very noisy. They were going nuts. I got an ear bleed. They were <laughs> screaming. Yes. Was... <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> oh, With all of this lead up, uh, let's turn our attention to the ceremony itself. So how many guests are you guys allowed to bring to the Academy and how's that work out? You're allowed to invite one guest. Yeah. I think you can pay for a ticket independently and get in a lottery, I believe it is. You get one guest. Um, and then because we wanted to bring our son, you have to apply for a second guest or a third. You know, you can apply for however many. And that took some time. I mean, I poked them over and over on a weekly basis and they said, no, we need to get a full head count of how many nominees we have, how many people want to bring one, two, three, four guests, because the membership is so much larger as well now to figure out how many they have because as David was saying there is a lottery that you can play if you're a non-nominee and they also get to go so they got to figure out you know who who should go uh, to fit into uh, there's probably 3,000 seats I would imagine to get into the Dolby Theater and then yes you get to pay for your guests <laughs> and they, right. they're expensive as a nominee you can even invite a guest to the governor's ball which you cannot do if you play the lottery so the lottery gets you into the the codec at the dolby theater but but nowhere else but as a nominee you can go to the governor's ball afterwards i just took one guest who was uh, my co uh, she was adr supervisor also my partner libby she uh, came with me and my sons wanted to come but we actually said you got to stay and work <laughs> someone's got to keep the business going someone's got to feed the cats <laughs> now so when you go in with your guests so first of all red carpet we don't see a lot of uh the below the line folks on tv i think is there press there as well though just that's not maybe getting aired or you hustled into the building on that what's the what's the below the line experience of the red carpet well that was interesting because uh well first of all let me say the lead up was the uh, security. That was amazing. So you're in the car, you go up the street, there's cops everywhere, you know, with the mirrored, um, those mirrored things that look under your vehicle for bombs and stuff. And you go, wow, this is something else. You get the car pulls up at the, the front of the, the red carpet and the staff from the, I guess it's the academy that, that hired all these people. It was just amazing. The security checks, the you know, all that sort of stuff. and But really, really beautiful. Because And then you start seeing people you know in amongst the crowds trying to get through the security and all that stuff. You go, oh, my God. You know, and so that's uh, that's really exciting. When you hit the areas where the, the, the press gallery is, yes, you do go through. They, they, they Because there was four of us, they kind of split our guests off one side of this sort of draped area and then we went into the left-hand side where the press just were snapping snapping away. And so that was kind of weird, but it was kind of nice to be together. If you're on your own, I reckon it'd be quite daunting. It makes your heart stop. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. It's the most intimidating thing I've ever done. <laughs> Don't you reckon, David? Yeah, you walk around the corner of that curtain and you have no idea what about what's about to happen. And then, as Wayne was saying, that they tried to get the four of us in front of the press and then... There's a like talent wrangler that has a sign with our four names on it. And then they go down the line of photographers to uh, snap a picture that they know who we are. 
And then normally they take all their cameras down and they don't care. No, just kidding. <laughs> uh -huh. But they're all yelling, look at me, look at me, up here now, up here. Yeah. Everybody's yelling and grabbing your, your attention. Yeah, no, they start firing away. And then, you know, you might have 50 photographers there and then 50 cameras above them in, in two more rows on bleachers. And then once you've passed that, then you got probably another thousand feet off every television station on the planet. That's right that has little name signs that you know you know who the tv stations are and then you are f free to choose and pick who you like to talk to yeah i was told to keep an eye out for the australian press because the australian press were kind of like quite late in the game to to get the celebration thing i suppose i don't want to start too early where where obviously america and everything else was you know or the big build-up so they kind of hit quite late and david and i were asked to start doing australian press in the literally the week before for the first time and that was kind of like stressful because you kind of thought you'd done it and then it started again only in a mini sort of way but enough to put a lot of pressure on you to get you know that press happening and then of course they say look out for us once you get past that photo gallery into the news crews and you start looking for um in fact Canada was uh were interested as well so kind of looking out for, for those people and so we just sort of jump in there and then once you get through that and then you just want to drink <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a good you know three quarters of an hour to get through that that line oh i was there you guys were already on the bar i was there two and a half hours oh wow goodness. oh yeah you have no idea it was unbelievable yeah it was phenomenal I've never seen anything like it. And it was different than than I went two times before with through the lottery. And this time they separated the nominees from the non-nominees. There was like two different rows down towards the uh, Dolby Theater. And so it wasn't as congested before it was like all packed. And there was always somebody trust trying to drive you along to make sure that the next people could go through security. But this time... It was kind of spread out, so there was a lot more room to mingle and to talk to people, and and you know have photo opportunities and all of that. So we stayed there quite some time. I knew that once you're inside the building, then 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 it's up to the drinking <laughs> and and getting psychologically prepared to uh, potentially going up on stage, which which makes your heart stop. Now inside, then do they seat you and your guests all together? If you have extra guests, are they also seated? Was your son also seated with you, Michael, or did he have to have a seat up in the higher balcony? How'd that work? We were all together, um, but that was not clear. That was not for sure. I mean, we knew that a couple hours beforehand when we got the seat assignments on the phones uh, because they said, well, there's only limited space down there for the cameras because once they announce the nominees for a category, then you have a camera on your face. And so they were trying to get as many people onto the cameras as possible. But we lucked out. We had our son right next to us. And then, you know, uh, Wayne had Libby and everybody just had their guests right there, which was fantastic. Because we also, uh, there was also a plan once that all the nominees get pulled out of their chairs down to the theater, uh, to the stage entrance. That if we were to win that our, you know, travel from the the side of the stage onto the stage would only take a couple seconds versus walking down hugging everybody and then i mean you do that times 200 times then you, you spend another half an hour of just walking and they did it with Guillermo del Toro and other categories they had them all stashed on the sides of the the the, the stage to walk up 
And so without your guests, you were grouped together then correct. down there. Yeah, correct. They had it. There was one year where they actually had everybody up on stage even before they announced the winner, which was interesting, but a bummer because then when you don't win, you kind of walk away. Not so thrilled. And uh, I think that backfired. <laughs> <laughs> so I think to have them on the side of the stage to just walk up, you know, the four steps and then you're right then and there. That That's the best way to do it. Now, I'm sorry that Andy couldn't join us because it's worth noting that he was nominated for Elvis and also for the Batman. Now, fortunately, maybe that that's also a Warner Brothers film. So there was no tension between studios with that. But did you guys find yourselves then spending a lot of time with the Batman team as well for this reason? Did he sort of pull your two teams together? Not necessarily. I think, uh, look, I saw Will Files several times, obviously, and uh uh, don't know Will very well, but certainly he's a lovely man and you know, did the, the handshakes and things. But I think it was very smart because I know that Andy was, you know, there there was, you know, it's a, it's a difficult balance. He's walking that line. And clearly Warner Brothers were also aware of that and where does he sit and if he's with them, it's going to be, oh, my God, and will someone get offended? <laughs> but I thought it was very smart. Uh, the, the Elvis guys were in this row and there was like David and his partner and myself and Libby and, and then Michael. And then right behind, right behind was Andy on the end with the Batman team. That was smart. You know, it did at that point keep us together as a as a block of Warner Brothers product, which was which was lovely. It sort of stopped any sort of, uh, yeah, issue. <laughs> so that was that. Yeah. So so I thought and, and yeah, but we were all together, as I say, the German team for All Quiet was behind them. Yeah, so because you just knew that, okay, we're all bunched together. So when the cameras came out, make sure you're smiling when you lose, you know. Yeah, because... they had all the sound guys <laughs> together, uh, you know, the Skywalker guys, then us, then uh, uh, the, the London fellas and Will's team. Yeah. <laughs> well, tell me more about the ceremony itself. Uh, favorite moments, things that watching at home, I wouldn't know about it, but would be amusing to hear. I T-voted, and so because I was curious myself, uh, because the event, once you're there, is fantastic, right? And and it's the best produced product ever, where there's a timeline, they go from the commercial break, they go, everybody gets up and talks to everybody, and, and they're downstairs where there's all the cameras. So then it goes, okay, we're on in five, four, three, and everybody starts running, and everybody's in their seat, and then it goes. There's not one flaw in that show. Clockwork, yeah. So well put together. Yeah, yeah. I thought it went very smoothly, the show. And also, it didn't feel too long. We uh, enjoyed the pretzel underneath the chair, which was great. But Jimmy Kimmel um, popped under there. But that was great. And I had some water. But but the the, the, yeah, the commercial breaks were so short that to, to think about getting up, going to the loo and getting back, that sounded like too hard basket. So, yeah, we just sort of, um, I, we, well, we just parked ourselves there. But I think uh, it, it's the lead up that's lovely, you know, like you get a bit fanboyish, you know, when you see the cast of Triangle of Sadness all turn up and you go, oh, my God, I love that guy. I don't even know his name, but I want a photo. And, you know, it's all that sort of stuff. So that was lovely. Libby and I were walking down and we saw Jerry Schilling, of course, who was um, Elvis Presley's closest friend during his lifetime. And and Jerry has done the award circuit with Priscilla and, you know, Lisa Marie, rest of souls, he, he was there. I had not met Jerry in person before. And that was a really special sort of moment on the way up through the red carpet because I got a photo with him, with, with Libby, 
and we talked a bit about Lisa Marie and her passing and and it was so sad the you know the pain in his face was just so full on but the support that Jerry gave the movie was exceptional right throughout this whole campaign from the moment it got released in June last year at Cannes so that was a real thrill for me to finally meet Jerry Schilling so so yeah there's a lot of fan moments i mean uh, Guillermo very very big uh, well, yeah, yeah, I I just love him, and uh, to to meet him, and he gives me a fist bump. That was all all sort of pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's funny, you know. I was talking to some sound people who have never been nominated, right? And they've been doing it for many, many years. And the projects they've done was just like when they said that, "Oh, I've never been nominated," it put you into perspective. Because you go, okay, you know, we're nominated here. This is a very, very big honour because this person who's been doing it longer than me is in this building and they've never been nominated by whatever reason. And, of course, you, you kind of go, when people say, oh, boy, yeah, I've been nominated four times and I've never won, you go, yeah, but <laughs> you know what I mean? I thought that was that was a real bring you back to earth know why you're here for a very good reason and that that is an enormous honor because it is not easy to win is not easy had a great uh, uh also another fanboy moment with um charlie uh mckeskey who did the boy the mole the fox and the horse now they when we had our dinner we had you have the nominees dinner and we had the uh, sound people and the animators were joined and we were outside when we first got there and I saw Charlie with his crazy hair and I thought, geez, that's the director. And also he wrote the book. And I love that movie. And I thought it was so gorgeous and, you know, peaceful and had such a wonderful message. And anyway, he saw me staring at him <laughs> and he's a British fellow and he came over and he came over and that was at the beginning of the nominee's dinner. I ended up with him the entire night. We became really close throughout so now we've exchanged emails and we're best buddies. And that this this man never made a movie before. No, he did the animated short, never made a movie. And he's just walked away with an Oscar. And you go, so there's the difference. You go, wow. So you've just, yeah, one show, goodbye. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Versus other people who've never, yeah, had, had the opportunity. So mm, very humbling indeed. The losing part, right? Because people ping me and say, "Hey, are you really depressed? How do you feel?" I was like, "Not really," because if you think of how many people are nominated and they're top of their game, and there's 300 or well, uh, probably 250 people that feel exactly like us right now. We're so blessed that we were there, and yeah, we didn't take home the statue, but they're they're top of their game. These guys, and they all experienced what we experienced, and it's you know, it's sad. Would have been. Even better to win, but overall to be included in that small of a group worldwide, that, that's pretty thrilling. It's a career achievement award, really, to be nominated. Yeah. Well, that's right. And speaking to Baz afterwards, it, you kind of go, it doesn't matter because Elvis, the movie, is going to have an enormous uh, longevity anyway. The life of that film will go on. It's had eight nominations on its name. That's lovely, lovely. But the film will continue just like Moulin Rouge did 
And I know Baz is already planning a Broadway production. So you kind of go, okay, it, it, we're now part of um, Hollywood history and filmmaking history, which is which is cool. Totally. I had a lovely moment in the museum with you, Wayne, when we came into the chronological display, which is the first uh, display of the museum, and we were just standing there and talking, and somebody mentioned Matrix. That was, what year was that? And I said, oh, 2000. We looked down. We just happened to be in front of the 2000, <laughs> you know, card. But there's your name. You were just in the museum. Standing there. You know, yeah. to think that, you know, that's part of history too. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It was a funny, wonderful moment. The museum is great, by the way, those who haven't been there. It's that, that's, that's also extraordinary. You know, the curation of, of, of that stuff, the Godfather thing, if you haven't seen it, see it. But the, the, the amount of material, the props and uh, the archives that must be in the, in the hopper for future events, oh, my God. It's, I'd go back there every time I visit LA now. It's amazing. So, David, you had a fanboy moment with your own name in the museum. Was there anyone <laughs> else you ran into that you thought, wow, this is someone I didn't think I'd meet in person? I had a moment just before we went into the, uh, the publicity line on the, on the red carpet and David Byrne came and stood and had to wait, you know, maybe 10 seconds, 15 seconds to go forward into the photography uh, line. And um, I really lost control and I said, excuse me, David, uh, my name's David Lee. I'm a sound person from Australia. I think you're amazing. You know, I <laughs> couldn't stop myself. It was a wonderful moment. That's great. He, he turned around and acknowledged me. And, oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Michael? What was your uh, moment of the of the week or the event itself? You know what? You, you never know. Uh, but, uh... Certain people, I don't, I have a terrible uh, face recognition problem where, you know, I might know somebody and I just can't make out who they are. And then you walk down the red carpet and all of a sudden you have 200 guests and photographers go nuts, just screaming and you think somebody got killed. And then you turn around <laughs> and then some gorgeous looking person, you know, guy or girl, doesn't matter. And, and sometimes I have no idea who they are, but obviously Lady Gaga looks stunning and is fantastic, especially seeing the with makeup versus the without makeup performance was uh, just gives me chills. She's amazing. And my son, who knows all these, you know, movie stars from the screen, the first thing he said, she's tiny. She's a small <laughs> girl. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know what? Camera angles make a big difference. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's so many amazing looking and talented people out there. But you know what? Bollywood, their RRR movie was so fantastic that they would they would totally chime in and give us many more great films. Yeah, was that as much a moment in the theater when they did that musical performance as it seemed oh, yeah. on TV? It well, and what you didn't see, and that's why that's why I wanted to watch it back on television. When you see these steadicam operators running around on stage and they're never seen from any other camera angle, whoever directed that bit. Must be a genius. I mean, they must have rehearsed the hell out of this thing because you see camera guys running across stage and then a split second later, you go to a wide angle shot and the camera operator is out of the shot. And there was not one mistake in it. And, and that is amazing. Oh, yeah. That was so thrilling. That that lot were fantastic. Oh, yeah. yeah. They were so good. High energy. Yeah. But that's the thing that 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 that's what I loved also about the show is that um, the entertainment factor 
is now coming back. The ceremonies over the past few years have had issues and this and that, and obviously COVID and all the bits. But to to have this, that sort of like entertainment value for the viewers and for us being there was just fabulous. So you really were you were at a big show, and I think it was a good mix because before they wanted to exclude certain categories to fit more dance numbers in. And then it was top heavy, the other direction, right? And I think this one was just right, that you had a bunch of awards. Everybody had great speeches. I mean, thank God nobody just read down a list of you know, a list of names on, on a piece of paper. I think the, 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 the announcements were entertaining. The show was entertaining. The numbers were entertaining. The speeches were great. I think this was one of the best shows I've seen. Well, you guys touched on a point because there were a couple of years there with COVID that obviously changed the way this was done. And then last year, what I think everyone has admitted was a misstep where they pre-recorded certain categories and made sort of a mashup of the ceremony itself. Was there a sense being there that maybe the Academy Awards had turned a corner and put some of these issues behind them? A regroup, a reset. I think it's good to have everybody back in the show. Um, because even when they decided to pre-record certain categories by, you know, a toss to the coin, there was nobody that said, okay, you know, sound should be excluded. But when they said film editing and certain other categories should be excluded, that made absolutely no sense. Nobody should be excluded. I mean, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. And to exclude somebody to or or just to have one category be different than all the others is kind of a stab in the heart, right? You you wait potentially your whole life. I mean, I've been doing this for 35 years. And so you wait that long to get that chance. And then there's one year. COVID, obviously, you can't control. So if you were in the COVID year, that's just a real bummer. But then to have the next year be told, oh, by the way, you're not part of the live show. That's terrible. And thank God. They, thank God they undid it. It's true. And, and and I get a lot of requests from young people who are studying sound design. Uh, they're coming up through the ranks, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, you, you try to encourage to say it's a great life. It's it's an it's a creative life. It's hard work, but it, it's great. It's greatly rewarding. And then to have that feel of being excluded for, or, or you, you, you know, it puts a boot in that is unnecessary. Yeah. For, for the new generation. So I think that this was great, that things are settled. It didn't feel, I don't know what it was like at home watching it, but it certainly didn't feel too long, the show. Oh, we were absorbed. What a, what a yeah. wonderful, totally entertaining evening. Even watching it back at home, I mean, we even looked at the red carpet, which is another you know hour and a half prior to that. It was never boring. It was totally entertaining all, all the way through. Well, that's great. Well, tell me some stories from the after parties. What do you guys do after the ceremony? Where did you go out? Well, it starts with the governor's ball, which I had not the chance to go to yet because I've never been nominated. So as an academy ticket holder through the lottery, you're not allowed to go there. So first I had to send my son off uh, with his friends, which was a complete disaster. So we spent a good hour trying to find other friends that they can take the limo and go you know, do their own thing. And then I was starving. My feet hurt. And I was thinking, well, now we go to the governor's ball and we sit down like, you know, the nominees dinner. But there's none of that. We walked in there and there must have been 4000 people in that room standing, loud music, loud people packed. It's like an airplane hangar. It's gigantic, that place. And then I was thinking, oh, I'm going to sit down to just be told that I'm on the other side of the auditorium, that the Warner Brothers tables are on the other side. So it took us another half an hour to get there. (laughs) In the meantime, you bump into 40 other people. So 
you know, another good hour passed till I ever got some food and drink in me. Oh, yeah. What I also didn't know is that they had a stage then there where if you win an Oscar, you get it engraved right then and there. They put the plaque on, which is amazing. I mean, that was so cool to see, you know, and then you have the Wolfgang Puck catering where he said he had to cook for 4,000 people. Can you imagine Incredible. putting 4,000 dinners out in, in two hours? Oh, yes. And the people the people that were going around with the trays of food, because I was starving as well, the, the, as good as the pretzel was, uh, <laughs> there was a chicken pot pie that was mm-hmm. flying around. And I was on the hunt. I finally got one, sat down. I had one bite and someone tapped me on the shoulder and says, hey, how you going? I turned around, did a bit of a huggy-huggy, and next thing you know, the pie was gone and being collected. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of staff uh yes no i was like a magnet for the drinks they just kept on appearing i turned around and there's another drink yeah so that was pretty cool then water brothers uh threw a party post that so it started to thin out the governor's ball and then so uh there was a bit of a line up to wait for your vehicle that took a bit and then we got to the Warner's party, which was fantastic. That was the best part. I've never been at a party like this. Oh, yeah, it's just like, oh. you know, it's like even though Elvis lost every category, we were going for best party at that point. <laughs> yes. And it was really good. There was dancing. Uh, you know, the producers were there. Austin, everybody was there. The Batman team was there. Really, really fun. And that took that took us through to about must have been about three a.m. And then uh, Baz invited us to his place uh, at the chateau. We then went there, and you know, and it just kept going, kept going, <laughs> and kept going. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm fifty two years old now, so I haven't danced in a while, and I normally <laughs> don't drink either. But we went to that party. And then the Warner Brothers team that we work with that that couldn't go to the Academy Awards because they were not Academy members, they were all there and they were all ready for us. And they had drinks ready for us right then and there. And they said, here, Michael, you got to have a drink today and you have to go over to the other room. And Baz is already rocking it on the dance floor with like 50 other people. And it's like, no way. And I walked over there. It was the <laughs> craziest thing you've ever seen. They were like on the floor dancing he was proposing to his wife with the elvis ep ring that's like worth forty thousand dollars and he was striking poses unbelievable that man and so we're dancing my wife was dancing with baz and he was selfieing the heck out of all of it it was brilliant when then baz left then everything got like you know 50 percent less exciting then people weren't dancing anymore people were just standing around drinking and talking that man is a a yeah. piece of art. Well, he, that man knows how to party. Oh, yeah. And that's why when he left, he basically said, come to my place. And that was that was very, that was, and, and when we got to the Chateau Marmont, it was amazing. It pulled, it was so busy. It was, what, three in the morning or something. And it was so busy in the, and we wound down the window of the vehicle and this man came over and said, uh, can we help you? Because it was packed of cars. And, and we said, oh, we're here for Baz. And he knew exactly what was happening. Because also there was, I think it was Jay Z was having a party there as well. <laughs> I was just crazy. So so they, you know, we were escorted through the back lanes of the Chateau Marmont, get into thing, go up to the penthouse, and there was, uh, you know, a bar, you know, with this incredible woman who was, you know, ambidextrous, making me a martini with that hand and making a 
gin and tonic with the other simultaneously. I thought, wow, <laughs> this is Hollywood. It's <laughs> <laughs> 3 30 in the morning. <laughs> well, we joked at the beginning about the nomination itself being the honor, but you guys have really sort of embodied that spirit and obviously a fantastic experience and really appreciate you sharing it. Let the rest of us enjoy it vicariously as well. <laughs> thanks, guys, for being here today. This was a lot of fun. Uh, thanks for having us. Thanks. Thanks so much, Skid. You know, listeners, I always appreciate your feedback. You'll find my contact info at our website, belowtheline1word.biz. That's B-I-Z. You'll also find past episodes. This year's series discussing the Oscar nominees and the technical categories was particularly challenging, but I'm really proud of the results. So if you missed any of those 10 episodes, I hope you'll check them out. Gentlemen, as we mentioned earlier, all of you have been working on new projects. Where next are we going to hear your work? Um, I'm finishing The Flash right now for Warner Brothers. And Andy Muschietti is the director and Ezra is the star. And it's uh, probably one of the best superhero movies I've seen. I've done a lot of them. And uh, this one has jokes. It's very funny. It's very emotional. And it has great action. And it's, you know, it's not crazy long. It, it has a fantastic pace, looks gorgeous. And uh, yeah, so we have one more week on it. And then I'm going to be off for a little bit. And the movie comes out, I think, June 16th. David, how about you? I'm having um, a quiet period in my career, you might say. I wouldn't like to say I'm winding down, but I think I am. Um, no, I've got nothing booked. I've got a couple of balls in the air, but otherwise I'm just uh, at home in country, regional Australia, enjoying the lingering summer. Nice. And Wayne? Yeah, we're just right in the middle of a series called Wolf Like Me and a season two directed by and written by this extraordinary uh, filmmaker called Abe Forsyth. He is the wickedest, funniest man. Yeah, we're into series two for Peacock. So it's uh, starring Josh Gad and Isla Fisher and many others. But yeah, so that's where we're right in the midst of that at the moment. Well, Michael and Wayne, I hope you guys will come back and talk about those projects. And David, even if you're not working on anything soon, we can talk about some of the other stuff you've done as well. I hope you guys will all come back from the show. Absolutely. Thanks, Skid. Thanks, Skid. My closing credits, thanks to Curtis Five for our music, John Juan for our logo, and to all of our listeners, I appreciate you. Please rate us wherever you get your podcasts and tell your friends. This officially closes out season 15 of the podcast, but the planning for season 16 is already underway. I don't know how long the hiatus will be, but I hope you'll stick around. Please subscribe if you haven't already. Thanks again from Below the Line.